Greetings, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, here for a brief introduction before today's very exciting episode. Guys, it's official. We're on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Film Alchemist Pod. We're beginning to grow our community over there, and we need your help, right? The more of you guys that come join us over there, the bigger and better and more fun we can make uh, this show for all of us. So for as little as a dollar a month, guys, you can get in, uh, start to join some of our social activities, Discord, Zooms, all that good stuff. For a little bit more, we have different tiers. We use a Highlander ranking system, which is very official, very scientific. Uh, you can begin to curate the exact movies that you want us to cover. So a lot of exclusives over there, a lot of voting on episodes, a lot of fun stuff. More than anything, guys, it helps us, and we feel like it's going to help us give you the show you want. So again, that's patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. We appreciate so much those of you who have already joined and helped us out, and we can't wait to meet those of you who are about to. Uh, something you can do for free to help the show Leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you find the show, especially if not to be Apple Podcast app. Uh, that's a way to punch up at the algorithmic overlords. Help us find more uh, new friends to bring into the Alchemist Tent Cave. Something like that. The Cave of Alchemist Solitude with Friends. We'll think of a more catchy, snappy title, but you guys get what I'm asking here. Uh, thank you again for those of you who do it. Your kind words do not uh, get lost on us. You can go to YouTube and subscribe to our channel, Film Alchemist. We have video versions of most of our podcasts there, along with a lot of other fun stuff we're working on for you over there. So go find that. You can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com, or find us on any of the socials that you're on. That's a great way to get a hold of us. Uh, just want to chat. You want to let us know the kind of stuff you want to hear about. We love to hear from you guys. Thank you. All right. That's enough business. Today's. Very special episode. Uh, we are talking about Creep, starring Mark Duplass. I love this movie. And what I love most about this movie is I remember seeing it in theater and giving it a meh. Right? Like, it just kind of was lost on me in the first viewing. I came back to it because today we're joined by our very special friend, Jessica Rose, um, who we just met. This was one of those people you meet. Everyone, she's really nice. We've been following her on Twitter for a while. And finally getting to meet Jessica, she was, it was like an explosion of the brightest sunshine in our lives. Um, from the moment we've met Jessica, she's brought us nothing but joy and increased happiness. And then when we got to talk to her, she's so funny and insightful. And uh, it just, it felt like talking to an old friend for the very first time, for the thousandth time. It was very strange. But we, we have absolutely fallen in love with Jessica. She's amazing. And for her to pick this movie was a great choice because I found this time around there's so many things that I had not appreciated on the first viewing. And I do think this is one of those possibly destined for cult classic, if not already there kind of movies. So again, Jessica's a writer, a horror writer mostly. She's a horror artist. So we'll have information where you can find her in the show notes and details. And it's one of those things. We actually met Jessica uh, through our friend Rachel Reeves, who's also amazing. You'll be hearing her later this month. But we have just, I know a lot of people talk about the toxicity of Twitter and the internet and this and that. But meeting someone as special as Jessica, who just absolutely makes the day better, right? You're like, my day is better lived for having her uh, in my world. And I know Alex agrees with me 100%. 
So um, it was an honor to meet and finally get to talk to Jessica. It was amazing to dissect Creep. I hope you guys enjoy this show as much as we do. And I hope you go support the show. Patreon.com slash film alchemist pod. I'm sorry for cheapening the sentiment with business. But you know how we do. In all seriousness, though, Je uh, in all seriousness, though Jessica... We love you. Thank you so much for joining us. We can't wait to have you back in the future. Enjoy. Guys, welcome to the show. Our very special guest today, Jessica Rose. Thank you so much for making the time. Of course, thank Yay. you. <laughs> All right, before we get started here, Jessica, would you like to give a brief brief introduction to uh, yourself and where everyone can find your work? Absolutely. Um, I am a horror writer. I'm a horror artist as well. I'm currently getting more into digital art and really enjoying that. Um, I'm between platforms right now, so uh, just keep an eye out for where I'm going. I've got a good couple of projects down the pipeline that have been in the pipeline for a while, so um, finally excited to share that. Um, and you can find me on Twitter and um, Instagram at JJRose7, and JJ is spelled out, J-A-Y, J-A-Y. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, we'll have all this in the show notes, too. All right, so we were a fan of Jessica. Uh, we reached out to you and asked if you would be kind enough to come to the show. And you brought an absolute delightful film today. Would you like to tell us what we're watching and why you chose it? We are watching Patrick Price's Creep, uh, the <laughs> 2014 version. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we decided we had to clarify because if you go to Letterboxd, apparently there's 8,000 movies called Creep. <laughs> Surprisingly very popular title. I don't even think I've ever even really seen that on. I know I've like rated it on Letterboxd, but I don't think I've ever had to like search yeah. it. <laughs> we also did not just watch the three minute music video for Creep by Radiohead. This is a movie. <laughs> it's a full film, guys. Don't Google Creep because it will for sure come. It will be the first thing that comes up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, it's, um, it's a found footage horror movie. Um, it's got a real good slow burn to it. Um, it stars Mark Duplass and also Patrick Price. And um, I don't want to give away too much up front. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, One so, of them's a creep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mark <laughs> Duplass is an absolute creep. Maybe uh, both of them. I'll make the case for that ooh, later. Ooh. Oh, I want, to, I want to hear that so bad because I am like, I feel like I sympathize a lot with... Um, Patrick Bryce's character, Aaron, who be, gets himself into an unfortunate situation. Um, he's all, he's kind of like a little victim of circumstance where he, here's the cat, <laughs> where, he, <laughs> <laughs> where he thinks he's signing on for um, a video project. And it turns out that his, uh, his subject is a little creepier than he <laughs> could even imagine. Yeah, it's kind of the unfortunate end game of a lot of Craigslist postings, right? But, yeah. But what I what I really lashed onto this time watching it is, uh, it's Aaron character, right? Aaron's the filmographer. <laughs> is Aaron has this kind of toxic Midwestern politeness that there are so many times in the movie where, because watching it the second time, right? This is one of those movies that you, the trailer and the title and everything. 
it's a foregone conclusion movie. You within 90% know exactly how this movie's going to end and then you got a 50-50 on who, right? And when you watch it the second time, I was stunned by how much tension they are still able to draw from every scene, knowing full well where the destination is. And I think it's this beautiful because they constantly are laying out, right? Joseph is constantly laying out these red flag moments and watching Aaron at every turn just yield to it's cool, man, not rock the boat and trying to be polite. It makes it so much more tense alex what did you think of that i'm gonna push back a little bit on that because oh yes, shit there, all right we're gonna fight in front of company that's fine there <laughs> don't fight in front of the kids right um, in front of the kids <laughs> yeah uh there there is a little bit of this midwestern nice like i fully agree with there is a level of like human decency you run into when you're in a situation like if someone hands you a thousand dollars at the beginning of a job, like when you know you're going to get paid two weeks later, you're like, no, well, all right, I'm going to get paid two weeks later. So what am I going to do now? When you get handed a thousand dollars at the beginning of the job, there is a level of guilt that you feel like if you're prepaid for a gig, you're like, man, I got to stick around. Like not, not <laughs> doing it is wrong. It's stealing. Like that is, so that to me is where Midwestern politeness comes from. However, I also think there is this, there is this toxicity to being a documentary filmmaker. I, I work like I, I said on the show, I work in documentary TV. I work in those kind of stuff. And I've worked with a lot of these guys. Like there's a level of willingness you have to have to stick around. And I think the thing that all, the thing that makes me so uncomfortable because like I, I was yelling at the TV last night. Like I was watching yes. it with my wife. And I, <laughs> I, I don't understand this. Like, there's a logic to this that I don't get because like I would not stick around, especially once it got dark. You'd be like, I got to go. Like, give me my fucking car keys. I'm leaving. Like there's, there's that, but there also is a level of, and I hate, but like this toxic artist type thing that you have to stick around to see what's going to happen. The suffering artist, especially yes. after there's the big, like there is like the turn in the middle of this like he's weird to begin with there's nothing not weird about what's happening at no point do we sit here yes. and go well this seems pretty dear zachary to me like it's like dear zachary times a thousand <laughs> horrible oh, minutes, no. you know oh, bring at, up dear zachary <laughs> you you can't not bring up dear zachary watching this movie <laughs> Like, my day's ruined. Dear Zachary, put the lotion in the basket so I don't have to get the hose again. Uh, Jessica, what do you make of this this kind of, at the core, not to, like, belabor the, the, you know, symbolisms of the wolf and the lamb, but I was like, this is an absolute, like, the innocence of the lamb being led to slaughter, and we have no ability as an audience to to veer off this course. It makes it really hard. What do you make of this, this nice Aaron angle? So... Now I don't know, and I would now I'm thinking off the without like writing anything down. But the way I saw it was, it's very interesting. The dynamic is from a woman's standpoint. I was like, I am Aaron, ninety percent of the time. Whether it's you know just it's meeting somebody or when I'm at work, I am I have that horrible, toxic western <laughs> yeah right like like manner like i just yeah. i i don't ever want to hurt anybody's feelings i don't ever want to make somebody think i'm not listening to them mm -hmm. 
Um, I don't ever want somebody to think that I'm judging them. Even if I am, I don't want to let them like, who wants to let somebody else know that? And then you have these two people in this very intimate, like situation that, and he knows it's intimate off the bat, which is really, I really would love to like explore that like documentary filmmaker kind of angle, because that is interesting because it's almost like we get this weird perspective where, um, Joseph, Mark Duplass, is like the voyeur. He's constantly watching us, but it's also the other way around. Patrick Bryce, is, as Aaron, is always watching him. So that's kind of interesting, but I just thought it was, from what I was watching it, I thought it was really interesting because I was like, it is this strange sort of like little gender trope bend where Patrick is in this almost like a, it's almost like a blind date kind of a situation and that happens a lot more than you think it is i've been in not exactly in that position because (laughs) 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 but i've been in that situation where you're like this this is a weird situation this guy's kind of weird um i don't know how to get out of it so i'm just gonna like yes my way through and hope he doesn't comment maybe with an axe and put a mask on oh my god that would be a horrible blind date indeed (laughs) yeah so so the mindset then jessica is it just don't you if you feel something is not okay just don't make it worse by calling it out is that it's a see no evil kind of thing right it's it's this weird i don't want to say it's not ignorance because it's definitely not that it's being aware and trying to figure out how to make it out of that situation yeah. intact. I think that I'd like to think that I'd be the person in a situation. Sometimes I'm very, very fight or flight. And there's an interesting little play on this that goes on there. But, you know, depending on the situation, I'll, I'll fight. I'll, I, I actually am like really impulsive. But in other situations, more so like this, where it comes to a stranger and it comes to how that person would think of me and how my reaction would hurt that person's feelings. I do think I give it a lot more thought and I don't immediately just fly out of there. I like to think that I'd be the person, especially with as many horror movies that I've watched and write (laughs) that I would be like, Oh, I'd be out of that situation in a second, but I'm not because I have actually been in that position knowing in my head, you should be out of here. You should get out of here. You should leave leave right now <laughs> I don't well I think that's why it works on a horror level right because it's it's the funny joke of scream is that Randy who knows all the rules still gets killed right <laughs> and there there's this uh I think that's why this movie works is because we all know that you should leave but that's why I would say because I don't think being kind is ever toxic but there is a point where like you said it's like don't make it worse right don't call it out because what if I'm wrong and then oh god what will they feel <laughs> In that mentality, when you're like, yeah, this might be an axe murderer, is fucking insane. And it's a brilliant way to frame this conflict. Yes, it's um, it's definitely it's it's interesting and really relevant now since so much discussion is being brought up of, uh, you know, when people say like like when people are victims of some traumatic event, no matter what it is, and they decide to, you know, discuss it later. It's like this weird like like this weird delay. And I think that that's what they're showing a lot there with Aaron because he's put in this very unique position. I don't think a lot of, uh, I'm being a total, like I'm, I am stereotyping here, but like, I don't think a lot of guys are in that position all the time. 
a lot of like no, that's not a stereotype. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah, we could back you up. There's no never. stereotyping here. That is wildly accurate. How often do you meet up with another man that you've never met before? And you know, well, even when I do, I don't worry about him like mauling yeah, me. I don't worry. Like <laughs> I can tell you the few times I've worried about like again, it's weird to watch this movie realize like realizing that I actually have been in these situations before, like doing the shows that I've done. I'm like, huh. Okay, I've almost <laughs> definitely been murdered at least once. But like when you roll up to a house for a job, like you like there's never like we've been to uh I mean um right outside of Augusta, Georgia, in fact. We were at, we were in this um small town right outside of Augusta, Georgia. We rolled up to this house and there's a huge shed and it's filled with guns and there's a Confederate flag over it and I walk and I'm like it's me and an assistant camera who has a big ponytail and that kind of thing. We were like, there's a chance. Like it's in the middle of the woods. No one would ever know. Like there's a, sh there's a decent shot. Who knows? Like, Oh my anytime. God. But like that, that to me is a really fascinating thing about creep in general is that Aaron's willing to take that chance for money. And like they bring it up in the middle of the movie, which I thought was really fascinating yes. that they brought up that point because like when you're, cause like this movie, so this movie and don't ask me how I know this, uh, <laughs> but just based on scenery, this movie in the crest line is clearly shot in Lake Arrowhead, which is out here in LA out here, like an hour outside LA. It's up in Lake Arrowhead. My parents actually used to live up there and it is at night. Terrifyingly dark. Like there is no lights. It's not a. It's it's well populated, but populated by people who don't want to be bothered. So like, <laughs> there is an aspect to that was that much more that much more terrifying. As I'm like, okay, all these people are. No one would help him, even if like, because he'd be running outside, be like, quiet, you're gonna wake up the neighborhood. Like there is like this weird aspect to that that I thought about, but when you are, like, Aaron is a struggling filmmaker, so that's the idea, like. You, if someone offers you a grand, which in a lot of cases is like sad to say this in LA, but half your rent, maybe someone offers you a grand to spend eight hours filming with them. You're going to take it. And like that aspect of it and the need for money and the concept of just like, this is a job like anything else is I think the thing that like spooks me to begin with. Cause like there, there's nothing about that. That's not, Nothing about that that's not terrifying and not totally relevant and real in in the way like all of us right. have conducted ourselves in any sort of creative endeavor at this point. Well, this is this is kind of the horrifying Faustian bargain of the movie, right? Because the thing that I had forgotten that really struck me in this movie is you see the turn where Aaron's like, "Oh shit, I can really cash in now." Yeah, right. And when he starts filming his nightmares. This is my question, right? So he wakes up from a dead sleep in a nightmare, not sweaty, hair not disheveled, and is like, oh, I'll do a dream journal. Are we to believe he actually was in a hot tub with Peach Fuzz doing a blood tubby? Oh, no, dude. I think he's absolutely authoring this. And he said, oh, shit, I can cash out now on the real big documentary. I mean, go and back so there's that, that weird fucking turn where you're like, oh, shit. I mean, at first it's an innocence thing, but once you see him somewhat buy into the I can milk this, then his fate is all the way sealed. I mean, that happens before that, though. Like, this happens when he shuts the camera off and Aaron and Joseph gives this confession. And kept it, kept that it going. That is something. Yes. And kept it going. That is something 
horribly morally bankrupt people do like okay honestly would you have kept a camera going if someone said turn the camera like i would not me yes i would in a heartbeat (laughs) because that's because but but she there's your midwestern ice that to me is wrong i don't want to do that that's violating someone's trust it's paid me a thousand dollars i'm the wolf in midwestern nice clothing alex that's the trick what do you make of this jessica I thought I made completely different. I drew completely different like perspective from that. That's interesting. And now I have to rewatch it because I have to keep <laughs> that in mind. I was thinking, I was thinking that he was like, oh, wow. Like at some point he's like, I got myself into a situation with this man who might be not well. I'm going to keep this rolling for evidence because I'm always thinking, uh, you know, it's almost like why like why do I call my mom before I meet up with anybody? Because it's like I want right. them to know. Like <laughs> here's my here's my like my location in case I don't return. Uh, <laughs> right. And and I still do it out of habit. Even it's not even just like um like for dating purposes. It's just for mm. even when I would travel for work, I would send my mom and my husband my hotel information just yeah. so that they knew where I was. Totally. Um, but that, see, I was thinking he kept it rolling because he was like, I've got to, I've got to look at this for evidence, but I mean, evidence could be destroyed. So it is interesting that he yeah. was filming. Well, there's that weird I, moment I thought he too just, where. Like, keeping receipts. Like he was like. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Fair assumption. But when he, when he calls the cops, right, he doesn't say, Hey, I have the footage of the violent encounter just that he wants to report it. Right. Because he doesn't like, hey, man, like, I know he says he got this package and it had a knife and this and that, but he could have gone to the police station with his camera and say, hey, don't you think this is pretty fucked up? He could have right? gone to the police And he's saving so that for the red the carpet. That's what I was thinking the whole time. <laughs> it is interesting. I did. I did. I was watching that point and I was like, that is it. I've worked in the state court before and they can't do anything. A lot of the times police can't do anything until something violent happens. Yeah. That's insane. But it's like, well, I don't want anything violent to happen. Yeah. I hope we get to that point. Right. By that point, it could be too late. Like by that point, <laughs> if violence is happening. It's already too late. Yeah. <laughs> Fair point. Yeah. <laughs> it is interesting because that is something. And especially now with like some of these like gun bills that like people like men who are like, I forgot what bill I would have to go back and look. So nobody quote me. I am not a political person. I do (laughs) talking about half the time, but I know something that um, they were trying to pass a bill where, or they did pass a bill where people who have um, stalking charges on them can buy a gun. And I was like, if you are stalking somebody, I don't think you should be able to own a weapon, like like an issued weapon. I like that's, kind of scary but it's it's not something that is taken seriously um or as serious as it should be until the point where it is too late and it's gotten to a point where it's so bad that they need like so much evidence and i mean phone calls like they they told them phone calls like somebody can call you they're allowed to call you as many times as they want but you know if you're getting 50 calls a day from somebody it's very frightening. <laughs> oh, for, and I think that's part of the thing the movie plays with is by the time we know what's happening, there is a, a inability to change the narrative, right? Mm-hmm. And when he calls the cops and he tries this and that, even if he's made the bargain that he wants the – because by the end of the movie, right, when he willingly is like, I'll go meet up with you, 
and brings no weapons. They have a lovely bow on that at the end, and we'll get towards that. But just the fact that he even went yes. shows you the fact that he knew he was on his own and no one was going to help. And I think that is the it, – it, but even in this system, right, we err so much on – but we don't want to accuse someone of – you know, being a naughty stalker, they might be a nice stalker and they'll work it out of their systems. That's a fucking crazy place to start this discussion. Um, Alex, I've never heard of a stalker working it out of their system, but keep going. <laughs> it's fine. I mean, that's what, yeah. But so I want to go back. We're going to jump back a little bit now. Yeah. Now we kind of dissected Aaron's uh, bargain here. Mm-hmm. I fucking love Mark Duplass in this role so much. He's so I, insanely just because he, because he's madcap, but not in an over the top you know, melodrama way. Yeah. Walk me through your first impressions of kind of this this character that Mark Duplass is uh, meeting. Because we start off and it's, oh, I have cancer. I'm going to die. This is going to be my Michael Keaton movie where, uh, you know, I, I leave a video diary, right? It seems right. kind of cool. The There are so many red flags in this moment. So, Alex, <laughs> I want to start at the tubby. This, to yes. me, was one of the I, – what I love about this scene so much is it is something that – all of us dads have done. It all happened to us as kids. It's a cherished moment. The perversion of this moment. And that's what this movie is, right? It's a micro-budget film that gets so much out of little things. And I think this might be the best example. Of it. Alex, talk me, talk to me about the tubby. I mean, okay, to begin with, I love the Duplass Brothers productions. Like, all their stuff is interesting to me. I- I'm unabashedly a huge fan of these guys. I think Mark Duplass is so shockingly dynamic in like all the roles he does and it's really fascinating when he takes on stuff like this and this particularly is just i mean it's it's incredible um the tubby (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it's one of those weird things where i okay i've it's hard to talk about honestly because like i've We've been going through this with my kid. Like, my kid has had, like, this horrible aversion to baths. So we've, like, <laughs> like, like it's really weird to watch it now. Is because, he pig-petting like, or what? Like, my life, my wife and I were watching it, and I'm like, oh, this is a little uncomfortable, isn't it? <laughs> right? It's fucking horrifying. Like, yeah, because, like, they're horrible. Like, this is a moment, yeah. Like, but also, it's not a moment you're supposed to, like, pervert in any way. Like, it's a, it's a shared moment of, like, listen... This is how we separate ourselves from the animals. This is like teaching your kid, like, hey, don't lick yourself. Like, get in the bath and we'll clean it. We'll clean you up, you know? He's like, cat rules, dad. That's what it is, though. Like, you separate yourself from the animals. You're teaching your kid how to live in a society. So, like, there is this. And then on top of that, there is this warmth. Like, the same thing, like, when your kid's born, they have you take your shirt. Like, they have me take my shirt off so that you could do skin on skin, that kind of thing. There is, like, a level of that, too. So it's this strange thing and like to me to invite someone else into that situation, even in the even in the assumed situation we're in is so uncomfortable and so not true to the aesthetic of the moment, I guess. Mm -hmm. And because also like there is just there's still this wall up too between Aaron and Joseph. This is the first thing, by the way, Aaron has to film with Joseph, which is like, you're just like, Oh man, 
<laughs> even says it in the movie he's like we're going hard is that cool like we're, this, yeah. we're, go- we're going much deeper he's than throwing this. the like, red flag right in aaron's face right like it's i'd be like i have a tripod is that okay like yeah, i'm not really directing yeah i'd be like do you, i honestly would be like do you just want the camera to do it yourself like i'll wait outside i don't have to listen or i can also leave this is weird like anything yeah. it's it's a really fascinating moment and like i've it, it and it it sets the tone for the rest of the movie like it sets yes. the tone for at least that first 45 minute block of the movie and simply saying like none of this is going to be okay like absolutely everything about this guy is going to be like so far over the line mm. you have no way of going back so you're sitting there watching Aaron be interested and do the documentary thing which is like hang with your subject don't don't look away if you look away you're going to miss the thing that's really good and what's fascinating is that i don't really think we miss anything that's good for the first 45 minutes until he shuts the camera off quote unquote the trick of that yeah the trick of this scene is funny because this is an exploitative scene we would see in a documentary about someone who had lost their dad totally right they would play this movie and be like this was how me and my dad bonded and we'd be watching that in an emotionally exploitative way, Absolutely. right? And so you look at it through that lens, and then you add the the movie today for me had this psycho thing, where when you watch Psycho the second time and you know what Norman Bates is, that fucking sandwich eating scene is no longer just a, oh, we're getting exposition out of the way. It's a fucking horrifying pendulum swinging over your head. Mm-hmm. And that's what this scene really did to me. Uh, what did you make of this, Jessica? Uh, it's it's probably one of the most uncomfortable scenes I think I've ever been <laughs> through. I like you just can't believe it's happening. I it's so funny because I think one of my favorite parts of this entire movie is when he goes through his whole spiel and then he's like, "All right, I'm gonna get in the tub." Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "You're gonna get in the tub? What? <laughs> like, am I supposed to follow?" And he does follow. Yeah. But I just oh, like, hilarious. And now that I'm thinking about it, it's so interesting because I would think that anybody would be like, oh, surely he doesn't want me to follow him. But Aaron does. And that's interesting. But and surely um, he almost keeps asking him not to. But Aaron does. He does. <laughs> Man, I got to watch this again now. Um, He's making a documentary. I, it, I think that that scene, like the, the tubby time scene, is one of the best points like like you guys said it like sets the tone but it also i think everybody's really self-aware at that point that we're in a found footage movie mm-hmm. where you are forced you're like and I, I, that's the point of a lot of found footage and horrors that you're being forced to be put in somebody's shoes and you can't leave there is yeah, no leaving right. there is no like what are we going to do because you are stuck with that person and that person's perspective and what information they know and and their character so this isn't the person running to the front door you're stuck with that person and i really like that jump from that point where you are literally just watching this guy like marty plus is just he's so brilliantly like charming and he has such this like he has such like a warmth to his face he looks like the guy next door like yeah like the ultimate best friend next door, yeah. Yeah, we were just like, oh my god, I love this guy. I would have him over like for a beer on a Friday, and then we would like, and his, he's got a wife and all these kids, and he's so nice, and he keeps his lawn clean, but he also has like this weird like 
totally deadpan like blank stare in his eyes and he like turns it on and off and it's and he even turns it off while he's being charming which is so frightening (laughs) absolutely he's so good at it and i think that this (laughs) is one of those points where you can't it is such a weird perversion of such a innocent nice like happy kind of memory that people like or that like people make with their children and it's weird because it's so you can't damn him right away because it's like oh maybe he's just being overly sharing which is the point of his film that he wants me to do yes but like what do you say what you like do you do you let somebody know that this is making you uncomfortable is this too much yeah is this i think the lesson of the movie is yeah let them know right away <laughs> no uh, but this is the funny thing about the scene too because i was like man this scene is so much like more intense to me than like scarface right where it's like chainsaws <laughs> in a tub like i'd rather watch that any day than this fucking scene <laughs> and it's funny because once you know what's happening all i could think about is what is going on in his head when he's delivering this moment and making aaron watch this heartfelt moment and the the depravity of that that's the stuff that really reaches down and haunts you, right? And this is also where they set up the the next kind of dynamic of the this early part of the film. Is he keeps talking about things he did with his dad, right? So he talks about that, and then we see Peach Fuzz, right? The iconic Peach Fuzz. And we he's like, oh, this is something that my dad made up, right? And he had a little song for it. And once we find out all this, I was kind of I, – I found myself scratching my head by the end of the film of what to make of – uh. Joseph laying out this whole setup with his dad, Alex. What did you make of this? Using his dad as kind of the launch point for this ruse. I mean, to me, it's just another form of guilt. Like, you you go up to someone's house to make a movie for them because they're definitely dying and they want to make instructional videos for their child. Which, again... This is like the Dark Universe Paddleton, if you've seen that, right? Yeah. Like, that's a dark... There's a lot of this, like... (laughs) Again, I I, I won't bring it up again, but there are documentaries made about these kinds of things where people want to leave behind stuff for their children. And, And, like, this is the kind of thing that you... This is the kind of thing that you do, like, that gets really intimate, that gets really personal. And I think that bringing up your father, bringing up this, like, inherited love you have this inherited type of uh feeling you have with your parental figure like it's just another form of manipulation like aaron could leave at any time if like like here's here's my thing if he had said my dad was a dick my dad never spent time with me so i'm going to spend as much time as i can before i'm gone and this is for my child after he leaves like that to me makes a sympathetic character out of joseph so of course you want to do of course you want to stick around this is a guy though who has a good wife, seemingly decent life, has a very, you know, had a father who spent enough time with him, had a father who had enough wherewithal so to speak to um, you know, put on a terrifying fucking wolf mask and um <laughs> Come here, Dad. <laughs> Let me sing his song. <laughs> put on this horrifying wolf mask and scare like hey, hey guys, it's okay. I'm Peach Fizz. Like it's not a thing i I mean my well as a parent you're immediately like not a chance i once put on pikachu sunglasses that are like from here up and my kid cried for 40 minutes so my kid doesn't even like my kid doesn't even like me wearing hats so like oh here's a funny one too when you have a giant beard and you shave 
Yeah, so you have a giant beard, you shave, and then your son is like, ah, who's this invader in my home? Because they just think the beard is built into your face. Right. So clearly, but, uh, like, yeah, that's – but, like, <laughs> trying to bring up a dad – like, trying to bring up this inherited love – or I guess inherited is the wrong word. But either way, like, trying to bring up some sort of familial – some familial ancestry with, like, a fucking wolf mask that you keep <laughs> sentimentally, like, in your closet. You're like – also, sorry, this is, like, one of my favorite, like, filmmaking pieces is just, like, the fact that the mask is just facing outright. But that's because he set him up. It was part of the – and that's when he pulls the hats out and he goes, twinsies. And that's another one of those, I know what's happening. Aaron's also, like, the jumpiest, like, filmmaker of all time. Like, everything scares him, which I is I feel like he has a right to be in this one. Yeah, I was going to say. Sure. Like, I, I, well, also, the third time you jump out and make me pee my pants, I quit. Like, I absolutely See, yeah, fucking quit. Yeah, that's the quit. other thing, too. There, there's there's at least one moment here where, like, there's when they're out in the woods heading to the heart rock, the and baptism, he, like, scares yeah. the shit out of him and be like, dude, I'm gone. Like, yeah, that's not, not what I signed up for. Like, I didn't come yeah. here so you could just scare me. I'm taking my thousand and I'm fucking leaving. I'll send you the footage. <laughs> now, that's something I wanted to ask you about, Jessica. So this is a moment that I love. I think this is integral to this opening part, right? Which is kind of just watching this weirdo. <laughs> we know what's going on, right? You can, Even before you've seen it the first time, you somewhat kind of suss out the dynamic here. Now, this is the first scene where we set the camera down. And instead, this is where he breaks the ruse for the first time, right? That this is for my son. He sets the camera down at the heart rock and he pulls the filmmaker into the shot with him. Mm -hmm. And so now it's a shared story with these two instead of him and his son. Mm -hmm. And we see this again at the diner where he goes, hey, can I film you? Mm -hmm. I would love to hear your thoughts on that dynamic of once the camera, because now we're about 30 minutes in, I think. The camera's starting to turn and now we're putting Aaron in the foreground. I think that that's where everybody needs to realize that joseph is a completely unreliable narrator yes that's a good way to put it and i love that i love that i'm like i'm and some people actually really don't like that but i'm like yeah take me halfway through a story and then tell me that everything i know is completely unreliable i wanted i would like that because yeah he does it so well and and it's such a that's when you realize that it's all a tactic and that this is not about him as a father. This is not about him and, and any of his emotional connection to anything. He was using that to bring you in. I know that I like if you share family stuff with me, I'm going to listen. I'm going to sympathize. I'm going to empathize. It's that's like as I mean, it's not as bare bones as you can get, like when you're talking, when you're being intimate with somebody and sharing. So um i really like that because once that that reversal comes into play and he does pull um aaron into into like share this moment with me now it's totally based on him he even like carves their name into the rock and you're and it's just like which with the heart around it and which you're supposed to assume is him and his wife at first oh angela oh my god i never even got that good one alex I never got that at all. I thought it was Aaron because I was like, this creep is like locked on to him. <laughs> like, I didn't oh, even think. Yeah, that no, him. that's why I like assume. Oh, oh. I've, that's again, part of the ruse. Like, that's another thing where it's like, 
well done. could you go at this person like hey man like that's really weird that you're carving my initial and he's like, uh, i'm not it's my wife's initial it's my right. wife the fuck like, you're the weird one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> way to ruin our sweet lake baptism yeah. moment you piece of shit <laughs> but even that moment is really fun too because that's when aaron reveals the like yeah sometimes i just didn't want to stop playing would pee my pants and i was like well, that is very on the nose for what we've seen today, Aaron. Yeah, yeah, Aaron pissed the bed. <laughs> yeah, here's a question I Jesus. had for you guys. Because, well, this is, I know, Alex, you want to talk about the iconic shot of the movie, which is one of those, I love the staircase shot as well, right? The dark stranger, the mass silhouette. It's one of those moments, and it, like, almost made me cry watching it. Not just because I cry at every movie a bunch, but... <laughs> true i love that that it's one of those tipping the scales moments of cinema right you're like with all the money and all the budget and better equipment and special effects i was like you cannot capture a better image than that right, right. this kind of gritty because it, it's just telling so much story in one simple shot that all the right. fucking you know studio power behind you you cannot get more out of a shot than that right walk me through that moment alex i mean you hit the nail on the head that it is like the summation of the turn of the movie. Like that is where we realize like this is about to get just downright sinister. There's he becomes the rabbit hole, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like at first it was just like, you're like, Oh, there's a lot of discomfort with someone just like revealing these like personal tidbits about themselves. And then you make me talk about my pee pants. Like, I don't like this. Like I'd be, I'd be doing the same thing. Like, dude, it's dark. It's late. Like I need to go home. Like getting down the mountain is going to suck right now. Like I don't want to, you know, that's that's all fair game. That shot being the rabbit hole makes a lot of sense. But like from just like a filmmaking perspective, I do love like you think about like the great shots of all time. And it's like, you know, the bridge, the bridge shot from Manhattan, uh, Conrad Hall's like shot from Road to Perdition, like all these things that require massive amounts of coordination, massive amounts of budget. And then, like, it's literally motion lights, and you just put the guy in front of the motion light, and it's this perfect silhouette of terror. Like, it made the fucking cover, it made the fucking poster. Like, that is, like, a, that is, like, that magic thing about movies that I don't think anyone can really, like, understand is just the pure happenstance of an amazing thing like that is just, Mm -hmm. like, there it is. Like, there's your moment right there. There's your moment where you know, hey, it's all downhill from here absolutely nothing is going to go right like yeah climb up the hill so you can go down at light speed (laughs) and it's so specifically shot like and because you can't see his face you have no idea who's at like this is this awesome wizard of oz moment like pay no attention to that man behind the curtain like (laughs) he's a different person he's changing before our eyes and we don't even notice it because we're so entranced by the shot, but also because we cannot see his face for the life of us. That is like, that is fucking people talk about the poetry of motion and all this other frilly stuff when it comes to movies. Like, man, that is, there it is right there. Like, how can you not be romantic about making a movie when that's, when that's just sitting right in front of you? That's exactly how I felt. Jessica, what did you make of this moment into the turn? Cause this is when, Aaron's keys are gone. We have the uh, shut-off camera confession of the uh, animalistic night that he uh, spent with his wife. Uh, what did you make of this this beginning turn of the story? Um, I love 
that scene as well I think it is one of my favorite shots because it's so like you said you can't see his face and he's also blocking the exit which is just oh I didn't think about it yeah it's it's almost like you know like when you're in a haunted house and you know you have to go forward and, and that's the only way to get out but you know that that you know that that person in that costume is standing right there and, and you know that that person's not gonna hurt you but in this case that's definitely not the it's the exact opposite and I think that's really interesting and one of the things that I noticed this time watching it was um a lot of times when you have movies like this where it's like this predator kind of prey mentality the mask is always the first thing like the 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 predator is always in the mask at first Mm -hmm. and in this case that it's the opposite where um joseph is unmasked pretty much the entire time it's not until about the end where he puts the mask on and i think that's a really interesting little like flip or like a deconstruction of this predator trope that that we see a lot in horror which was I was like that's so brilliant (laughs) it's so original and it's so it's so off base but also you know exactly what you would expect for something like that to happen that that, just so interesting and he does it's like the uh Chekhov's gun where he shows you the mask at first yeah um so you're wondering you see the mask you see the axe like this is a Chekhov's like specifically written ransom note for the rest of yeah the and, and the whole time even like like even with the story about what he does with his wife he is telling he's telling you he is telling aaron exactly what's gonna happen this entire time and for i know i didn't really see the ending coming i'll always admit that no. i'll never be one of those people who's like not like that i saw that coming but you do you do see it coming yeah and i think that that's one of the like that is that brilliant movie making magic i mean he flat out asks in the middle of the movie like it's incredible he does the telegraphing that goes on you're just like how did and then it gets to the end you are like how did i not just like was it just because it's that obvious you're like how did i not figure this one out and you're like man but this is actually so so once we're past this scene though and all that stuff starts coming out this is the thing that because like i'm we've been on the pod talking about this before i am not a huge fan of found footage movies like found footage horror does not you know i'm not either honestly i gotta change your mind i don't oh okay challenge accepted (laughs) and honestly this one is like for me this one is the upper echelon of found footage for me because the the reason i don't like a lot of found footage movies is because the pacing for them for me is a really terrible a lot of the time like there's no concept of how to actually use the camera the camera is essentially just an appendage that no one understands what they're using it for yeah this is fascinating to me and this is why creep sort of stands alone because creep is you're you're supposing that aaron okay aaron is a videographer he's a filmmaker so he understands depth of field, all this other shit that you're supposed to know when you're operating a camera, which makes the tension pulling when all of this stuff starts happening. Even like once um, Joseph passes out and the the part that always fucking gets me is when he starts, uh, when he comes out of the bathroom and starts looking around the house, there is, there's how a is level, that scene so tense? It's there's crazy. a level of tension because the camera work is effortless. Like yeah. there is nothing drawing attention to the fact that he's holding the camera. He's literally filming a scene. Like the fact that it's that meta 
and like that obvious is shocking to me but i am so terrified the entire time like i told my wife i'm like are you ner-? like she's like holding her hand up <laughs> while we were watching the movie and yeah. i'm like do you do you want me to fast forward and she goes oh hell no and i'm like okay good because this is fucking tense man yeah like <laughs> it it's incredible and then the fucking and it's nothing in the movie is like a shock reveal to me like but i'm still fuck like the fucking right. trash bag scared the fucking shit out of me. I was like, ah, well, oh they, okay, God. so that's the scene I locked onto too. Because not only do we find out in this moment that Angie is his sister, not yeah. his, and honestly, there's a part of that where you know I love a good movie conspiracy. I wondered if this is someone that he had paid to call and say this. Very. Why possible. would his actual sister call right at this moment? He would have his phone not on silent. It feels for someone like Joseph, it feels a little that's like the one point in the movie where you're like, this is very convenient movie plotting stuff. But if you think of Joseph as the director of this movie for an audience of one, you're like, oh, shit, maybe he put another Craigslist ad. Hey, can you call and say this at this time? Right. And set Aaron up for the the finale of his film, because that's what this movie and the trash bags, especially it hearkened for me back to Henry portrait of a serial killer. Where, because remember that when he just leaves the suitcase and all we see is the suitcase and it's fucking horrifying because we know what's in there. We don't have to see it. Henry beautifully does that where a lot of it we don't have to see. It's just fucking scary because we see the aftermath, right? And what I think becomes great about this as a found footage is so many of them just do it. Like I've seen where like, oh, I'll stab you with the lens of the camera and get blood on it. Like cameras are swords. You're like, they're delicate, like little boxes that'll explode. And so people use it to derail the narrative sometimes but this one makes because of course a filmmaker like you know aaron would have he would be so natural to look through the lens instead of his own eyes it makes sense and what becomes really scary about the found footage effect in this is that you realize to jessica's point right oh now we're watching maybe a true crime doc or something's off like we're watching this in nefarious settings we realize and the movie bears this out at the end but i realized halfway through i was like oh fuck we're watching a movie for one person this is a one person film right the only audience is the killer they watch this back to get their rocks off or whatever so it's a it's an audience of one movie but we're watching it too so it feels dangerous Mm -hmm. it feels like we should not be seeing what we're seeing and again this it's this beautiful thing the movie does where they don't have all the resources but by being insanely clever the movie becomes so much bigger in scale than it truly is. What did right. you make of this, Jessica? I um, I like I like my gore and I like my special effects. I'm an artist at heart, so anything <laughs> like that, I'm just like that. Like, I can sit through movies that are. I love the blood. <laughs> I liked. I like imagery. I like to see all that scary shit. I am also equally impressed when movies can get to get to me on any level with no hardly any actual violence and hardly no blood whatsoever i don't think that there's a single drop in the entire movie right no yeah i don't think there is on it no, even the like, finale takes place at a very far distance where it's totally yeah very far distance yeah. you don't even see it um it's it well that's crazy it, i didn't even think like, of that so far away. <laughs> it's i i think that, that a movie with an axe murder that has no blood yeah, someone gets out wow. of the head and <laughs> you don't see any blood. So it's like it's like I think that that's really impressive to me, and that's some of the things that they do. And it's like I love that Joseph kept 
scaring him even when he asked him like he knew it made him uncomfortable and that's one of the worst things that you can do is let somebody yeah. like him know what gets you my and wife would agree with you a hundred percent i do this all the time i was like oh he can set like now he knows <laughs> that you don't like that and, and yeah. you are a jumpy filmmaker and i think that that's like really cool because that sets up a couple of good jump scares they're pretty solid um but it also creates that tension like you guys were talking about like that room scene where he's like you know and it's only because he's been building up all these like little weird jump out parts that eventually that's going to happen again and you wait for it and you wait for it and you're holding your breath because you know that setup is coming and then it almost doesn't happen and then you let your guard down and then yeah. it does happen you're like it's over oh, oh! he gets yeah. you twice <laughs> the I double that. jump that's like one of the yeah best point like especially in a in a third act where you know sometimes a lot of films fall apart in that third act and when you actually really stick it that's impressive too yeah and beautiful yeah, and I'm not a huge proponent of jump scares, but again, I think this movie has this built in. They they thought it out so precisely yeah. that they're not jump scares like, oh, well, we have a ghost, but we don't believe in it. Ah, like some of the Conjuring Universe <laughs> right. movies sometimes do. Um, and I'm, again, I'm not here to litigate the jumps. If you like your jump scares, great, man. Yeah, do your thing. That's fine. Do your thing. It's not always for me, but this one, it's built in because it's Joseph fucking widget, you're like fiddling with him right i mean he's joseph's yeah. just wiggling the knife so it, it makes sense that there are jump scares narratively yeah and it, it's not cheap yeah so much control and because they could have made about 30 other jump scares yeah. at, at any point yeah. of the movie and i always i i'm a i admire when filmmakers have control to not do that that's especially when you know you can get your audience it's found footage you, you can right. make anybody jump and that's just like a, it's an easy i think it's an easy medium for jump scares especially yeah. with like the first <laughs> totally <laughs> you know because every time the camera moves it's like ah, ah. Yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> i think you're anticipating it a lot of the time and i think that's why this movie is so fascinating and that it really fucks with your anticipatory nerve like there's no way to guess when something's going to happen like like I was too busy yelling at the te yelling at my television last night at uh, Aaron going outside looking for Joseph. Like, dude, get back in the fucking house, you idiot! Like, why are you going? Like, grab a bludgeon, something, something. Like, be an adult, my god! And then, like, and then, <laughs> you fucking child. <laughs> and then, and then, yeah. So he like, and then there is like the jump because I was too busy berating this guy for being a fucking idiot and then like the jump happens like oh oh my god and then you like slowly see like someone's like letting the air out of the balloon while he's like listen i know everything and i think this is what makes the peach fuzz door thing that much more oddly funny like this should way he's not, rubbing his ass on the door this should not be a comedic moment like at all this is a fucking depraved person with a wolf mask on who clearly has nefarious intentions. There's nothing about this that should be entertaining or like goofy. I fucking could not stop laughing. I almost woke up my kid. Like I was just like, why is the, is it funny because it's like cutting the tension or is it funny because like this guy deserves it. Like it's, there's a point where I was sitting there. I'm like, Aaron, yeah. you fucking idiot. Like you totally deserve what's about to happen to you. It's, or is it what Jessica said, right? It's this deconstruction to where 
The cool that thing too. about this is that Mark Duplass's face is scarier than the slasher mask, right? Yeah. So by the time you see this, it's not it's inherently not as scary. He's rubbing his ass on the door. So they're kind of they're kind of taking the piss out of this moment that we've sure. all been trained to be the most afraid of. Uh, Jessica, I wanted to ask you. So the movie transitions now. We talked about this a little bit with Aaron's like cashing in on his, you know, oh, shit, I might have found something here. And he's still being hunted. Right. Right. This feels like a really odd way to kind of reboot the movie this late, right? To then do this. Now we're going to transition and Aaron is going to become our, our focal point now. Mm -hmm. um, did this part of the movie work for you? I can't. I, yes. Yeah, it worked for me. Some hesitation there. <laughs> That's deep thinking. We don't do a lot of that here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, good thing is I do it too much, so... Uh, nice. We'll meet in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good... I, I like when... I like when filmmakers have the balls to actually go and do something a little bit different and kind of turn things yes. on their head. And there's all, there's so many different twists in this uh, movie and some of them not necessarily as big as the point of view changing and all of that. Um, or like when we see that he's actually just watching the video of the garbage bags, like that's like the big twist is like, Oh, Aaron's not dead. Now we're entering. This that was episode. straight. That one. That one was strange to me. It kind of stopped me in my tracks. I was like, "Wait, what?" Yeah. But it's cool because it's almost like because this is to your point. I love that because you know everyone's so trained with uh, saves the cat, right? And like, I don't need a saves the peach fuzz version of this movie, right? Like, I liked that it. It kind of it meanders, right? It feels like a real life kind of stalking between these two guys, and that moment because there's a really funny moment in there before we get to the ending where he's doing his second nightmare and there's a bang. Yeah. And he's like, okay, okay. He sets the camera down, right? It's perfectly framed oh my where the God. door's in the middle and he's in the middle saying, Hey, who's in here? Like a poorly, poorly overly acted moment. Right. And I, this was brilliant. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I was right. He's writing this documentary. And I was like, what if he's the one who kicked the fucking wall and now he's doing his hero shot. But when he moves, Joseph is just sitting there leering in the background. And I was like, oh, my God. That <laughs> fucking scared the shit out of me. Same. Because it's so subtle. And uh, it, it's it's funny, too, because right as I'm thinking that Aaron's full of shit, there is Joseph. Almost yeah. like he's watching it and smiling like me. I thought that was fucking brilliant. I think yeah. that, end, that end change in perspective is also letting us know who the – who the winner is going to be at the end of this. Yeah. It, it, it's, a, it's, a yes. clear, it's a, it's just a, okay. Now you're going to watch how this ends and you know, who you know, who's going to come out on the other side. Um, I didn't know that at first, obviously I, I still never anticipated the end at all. Yeah. I still don't. I, there's some, still some part of me that I'm like, is there nobody there? And it's, it is this weird, like you were talking about the environment, how like at night, there was no, there's nobody around and there would be nobody there to help him. And he kind of lures him in on, with this weird, like, it's not a false promise because it is a public park and there are people Wide there. Wide open, middle of the day. Open, middle of the day. Like, and also, again, it's a very touristy area up there. Like, 
people don't just there would be 50 people instagram influencing around the shores of that lake it's scenic <laughs> it's the kind of place that they do paddle boats like it's one of those things where i was just like I, that was a weird thing because honestly yeah like the way this ends and i honestly was expecting it to be like you know there's that. gonna be a murder yeah like for sure obviously like be? someone is going to get killed like there's no way around it like this is just like we're we're hurtling towards this inevitable end but like i am very curious still the entire time it is weird to me that that's the choice and i honestly was expecting it to be like the middle of the night like that was what i was like maybe it'll be around dusk when people are gone and like that's how like do it under cover of darkness middle of the day though i could not wrap my head around it like i was just sitting there watching and i'm just like what I loved it though, man. I mean, it's I, I I don't have a problem with it at all. Like this is like it's so yeah. stark and contrasting to like any yeah. other kill you've seen in a movie like this. Well, it's also one of the first times in the movie that we pull way back, right? Yeah. This is a really far away long shot, right? Everything else is really personal, intimate. Mm-hmm. What I liked about that and during the day, it's a little off kilter, right? It's not perfectly mm-hmm. framed. There is. It, it's a pacing mixed with an inevitability, right? There's just a, we absolutely know what's coming and we're just sitting there waiting for it. And again, it's like we're trapped in this this car. We're, we're a captive audience and we just have to watch the slaughter now. That's all we're here for. And I think the fact that it's the middle of the day, it's just, because this is the thing that struck me to Jessica's point about no blood. When he puts the mask on, he walks up behind him. He swings the ax to his head. It's just so, it, it it's not a cinematic moment. It's just a bump oh. hits oh. him again, bump. And then it's on and that's it. And so you're like, this whole journey has just led to this very workman. Like it's the same way when I'm like, well, got to take the trash out. You know, like yeah. that's not a cinematic image. No. I just drop the trash in and leave. And that's exactly how it played. And I think that was such a fucking beautiful way to end this. And when we pull back and now we are in the audience for one, right? And he's making the movie for himself, and we're seeing the the movie we shouldn't see. I love the line he says when he's like, that's why I love you the most of all of them is because you were a good person to the end. No matter what I did, you still believed I wouldn't harm you. That's why you never looked back. Because, again, it's addressing the thing that we're all screaming at the TV, which is he whips his duster, and you're like, you can hear that. That yeah. makes noise. You can hear everything. Yeah. You walk someone – it's he lifts the axe quiet, to where it would be parallel with the bench. It's a quiet you lake. That. You're telling me you can't hear people behind you? Get the fuck out of here. Because he's not thinking that it's going to end badly. And right. even if he jump scares him again, right? Maybe now he's ready to get scared, right? He knows he's going to get the ending of his awesome documentary, and it's all going to be worth it. And he's going to help this guy who asked him to help him. He needed a friend. Right. So Aaron's Aaron's being the lamb leads to this slaughter. It absolutely is an incontrovertible ending that we had to get to. And I love the way it just plays. Yeah. Matter of fact. And I don't think the double jump scare cheapens that at all. It's just kind of a fun. By the way, see you later. am I the only one who jumped when uh, he like screamed at the camera and then screamed at the camera again? Cause like I legitimately, okay. I had absolutely <laughs> forgotten that okay, scene good. happened. Cause I, I, I was like, I have to own up to this on the pod tomorrow is like, I literally like jumped out of my, out, off the couch. Like I was like, I'm watching <laughs> my mom's eight pound dog and I sent him in the air. Like, thankfully he landed right back down on my pillowy body, but I was like, right, oh! good. I don't <laughs> like, feel nearly as wimpy as I did five minutes ago. Great. Well, Cause they get you no. with the first one no. and you're like, there's going to be a tag, right? So you're right. kind of ready. But the second scream 
It's like getting smacked from like you know the peripheral, like they used to do in Jackass. So they'd run up behind each other and smack them. That's what that second <laughs> right. one feels like. Uh, Jessica, what do you make of this? This as the bow of the film. <sighs> it's so um, it's so like it's it's so mean and it really is. I told you I'm a very nice person. Um, I like I like that it's mean. It's it's an, yeah. it's a really just kind of it, it almost like the way that that the way that axe makes that sound. That's the way that movie kind of ends for me. Is this like blunt? It's over. Most of the time, when you get into a bad situation with an individual like that, that's probably how it goes. Um, and it's it shows how I like how disposable he was almost to him. And yeah. then, he, and then you wind up seeing like, and it kind of like goes back to the unreliable narrator where it's like, was the person before him? Because, um, and I know that I don't think that they do that in the, in this first one. I know that in the second one, he takes on like Aaron's name. Yeah. And, and he, when he tells the story of it, he calls Aaron buddy. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And yeah. so I think that that's really interesting because you're like, well, who was Joseph before? And right. what, Well, I thought it would be his dad <laughs> until you see the cabinet of tapes. I thought Joseph was his father. Yeah. And then you see the tapes and you're like, oh, shit, dad would have been like 40 people ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is insane. <laughs> it's so, it's so just it's goes with this brilliant theme that I think that it, it works so well is that everything is just so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable that this character that we've been with for this whole movie with Aaron and you kind of, you know, whether you sympathize with him or not, um, you at least have this sort of relationship. It's like that with a lot of found footage, you have some sort of relationship being behind their camera. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really sad when he, it, that he's just, now he's just, he's done. That's it. He's gone. And yeah. A lot of that makes you kind of put yourself back in his shoes and look at what he like what mistakes did he make does it start yeah. from not leaving at a certain point or does it start with taking a taking the job in the first place and is there any way to really avoid something like this because there almost isn't no it's... yeah and, and it violates final girl rules right where it's yeah. aaron is one of those characters where he truly whether he's trying to milk it at the end or not, he never does anything bad in the movie. He's just a pretty decent person. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that matter to you, Alex, by the end? Does that make it harder that he doesn't kind of do the he deserves to get the axe move? <laughs> no, like, it doesn't really. <laughs> like, I wanted to swing it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is, here's my thing. And this is, I've said this already on the pod. He's a willing participant. If you're going to film yourself talking about your nightmares and then like an idiot, go outside in your underwear. Cause someone hit your wall, hit your window <laughs> because he's a good person who believes he's safe, Alex. Yeah. Well, idiot is... maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well also like, I'm sorry. I have to say this. <laughs> you live in an LA, you have one of those metal door, like metal gate doors. Close the metal gate door. What is wrong with you? You're right. He deserved it. No, that that was bad. I also liked when he saw the trash can tipped over and he went, raccoons. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? But I was see, like, like, that, like, to me, that is the open fallacy of the movie is like Aaron is trying so hard to think that nothing bad will happen to him. Because, look, we all live in this perpetual. This is this is honestly like this is a treatise on 
how we all operate in the world. We all mm-hmm. operate in the world hoping, assuming nothing bad will happen to us generally. Like, Tragedy is over we there. We don't walk outside our door and assume, oh, well, there's a chance like a car bomb could go off. Like we don't live our lives that way. So when you are a guy who wants a grand to go film a guy for eight hours, you assume like you assume the best because if you don't, how are you ever going to get out of the house? And I think that's something that's really fascinating about this movie and what creep does for the viewer itself is it assumes the best of every single person, even Joseph, who we know has like, the worst intentions 20 minutes into the movie. Like, how do you not know? Like it's telegraphed. And yet we all are sitting there hoping this ends with them. Like getting an hugging it out. Yeah. Hugging it out and actually being friends. That's it. I'm sorry about that peach fuzz nonsense. It was my bad. My boss was riding my ass. (laughs) That one's on me. That one's on me guys. Yeah. Uh, Jessica, Write a final a love letter to the creep. Why why do you love this movie so much? Uh why will it keep you coming back? The first thing that comes to my mind is that when it comes to creep, I really I like something original when it comes to horror. I I like I I like everything when it comes to horror. I like all the kinds of movies. I like remakes. I like bad movies. I like great movies, but I really have this like like this incredible fascination with movies that do something completely different and have something original and authentic and when that works with you know it works based on like just dialogue there's not a lot of special effects there's it's something that's very personable it's something that can be interpreted a bunch of different ways because i really like to dissect it's also really fucking terrifying um (laughs) and it and it does and it's given us uh it's given us some bouts of imagery it just checks off all the boxes for me when it comes to a good movie so or when it comes to a good horror movie that is uh so that's why i love it it's a good movie too i think it's a good movie it's a good movie it's it's completely original completely original um aside from maybe like the cable guy instead of the cheese on his face it's a peach fuzz mask <laughs> same movie exact same movie. <laughs> okay well now i will always see the creep as the cable guy oh, so man. <laughs> duplass original. needs to go back and re- redub the whole thing with a lisp yeah <laughs> i'm watching it. it i was like i can't think of any movie that's like this there's no movie like it none at all and he was like the cable guy is exactly like this <laughs> I was like, oh, shh. Exactly. He's doing a lot of work there. It is It is also a stalker film for sure. I mean, Fatal Attraction, if they had boiled a baby stuffed wolf, maybe. I don't know. Perhaps. But, uh, yeah, I think what I'll always take away from this movie is it. it's just it. it's the balancing of the scales of films, right? Is that If you really are creative and the artistry is there, mm-hmm. you can achieve so, so much. Uh, even with the lesser resources, I think this movie just over delivers and overachieves in every scene. And yeah, I think it's one of those. I appreciate movies that can scare the shit out of me without having to kind of gross me out. They're not daring me to look away, you know, with like Agreed. horror effects and get someone yeah. getting gutted like he describes in one of those scenes or whatever. It's just, you know, oh, as I gut someone, the universe unveils itself to me. That's a move. That's a scene that would have been in a big studio version of this. 
right? This right. is not trying to take my eyes away. It won't let my eyes escape, and it's still scary as fuck. That's what I'll take away from this movie. Agreed. All right. That's it for Creep. Part two, The Cable Guy. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. That right. would be so fun. The Cable oh, Guy. That would be the best. I'm going to have to get some of our video editor friends to mash those two up for us. <laughs> Hell yes. Oh, my God. That's so funny. I'm going to start uh, listening to this with that Jefferson Airplane song. I'm going to watch this with a Jefferson Airplane oh, song playing in the background. That, we can play that over that last scene. Yeah. Uh, Jessica, thank you so much for making the time. You were amazing. You. Oh great. my God. Thank you. Are you kidding? Uh, yeah, this was a great talk. Uh, you were a okay. delight. Would you like to tell everyone one more time, uh, where they can find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my, uh, handle is JJ Rose seven and it's J A Y J A Y R O S E seven. <laughs> awesome. And I'll make sure all this is in all the uh, show notes and details. Make sure you find Jessica. You can thank us later. Uh, seriously, from the bottom of our hearts, we so appreciate you bringing Creep to the show today. Perfection. <laughs> yes. Yes. It was a, an awesome time. I'm so glad that I somebody to talk to about it <laughs> well we also are going to bring you back for october if you'll Hell come yeah. back Absolutely. you can pick another horror movie whatever you would like okay <laughs> so start uh, thinking okay. now yeah <laughs> all right bye everyone we'll see you next time bye. <laughs>